welcome to the Combat Morale Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Tom Thorpe. The Combat Morale Podcast explores what motivates people to fight or not fight in armed conflict. A quick disclaimer before we get to the action. The views expressed by any of the guests on the podcast are purely of a personal nature, do not represent the views or opinions of any organisation or government. With that disclaimer out of the way, it is season two, episode five, and today I talk to doctoral candidate Jake Gasson about his research into the experience of British soldiers and the boredom they endured while deployed in Salonika, Greece, during the Great War. Jake spoke to me from his office in Oxford. Jake, welcome to the podcast. Could you start by telling us about yourself and how you became interested in boredom during the Great War? Right, thanks for having me. So I'm a second year history doctoral student at Oxford and I specialise in the Macedonian front of the First World War, looking at lots of different things. I'm quite interested in inter-allied relations at the level of ordinary soldiers. I'm interested in the Italian experience of the campaign, but my focus is really on boredom. Um, my interest in the experience of the boredom during the Salonika campaign and the First World War more broadly emerged quite accidentally from my study of of the British Salonika Force. Because my doctorate, I wanted to do a study of morale of the British Salonika Force, because although the literature on morale for the First World War is vast, it seemed quite unwarranted that nothing had been done on the Macedonian front, because after all, it was a front defined by its challenging conditions. First and foremost is the, well, was the threat of malaria and other diseases. So for comparison, non-battle to battle casualties were about 20 to one. And men also faced an extreme and changeable climate that went from scorching hot summers to bitterly cold winters. But as I began to look through the letters, diaries and memoirs of British soldiers, I found that men also complained repeatedly of being bored by almost everything. So sometimes this was just a single instance, maybe a, a boring period of training or an uneventful day at the front. But more interestingly, I found that men describe boredom as sort of a, a stifling and long lasting experience that coloured much of their active service. But what really convinced me of the importance of studying boredom in this context was the complete disregard for boredom in the existing literature of the First World War in general and the study of soldiers throughout history. And that's not to say that the prominence of boredom hasn't been recognised, because you likely will have heard of the truism that War is 90% boredom and 10% terror, or is that months of boredom punctuated by moments of terror? But while this is commonly accepted, boredom usually receives maybe a few lines at most and is talked about quite simplistically and is little more than just something that's quite unpleasant to have. And I couldn't reconcile this with the importance attached to it in the accounts of British soldiers, so I knew I had to dig deeper. And then gradually boredom grew ever more important in my thesis, and now it is the entire focus of it. So let's start by looking at two things. Firstly, could you tell us what Salonika or where Salonika is? You mentioned the Macedonian front, so I assume it's somewhere down in the Balkans. And then secondly, could you tell us what you mean by boredom? So the Salonika front is present, I'm referring to present day northern parts of Greece and the south of the Republic of North Macedonia. So regionally, it's Macedonia because it refers to what was once the Ottoman region of Macedonia. But it's also called Salonika because British and Allied troops landed at the city of Salonika, now Thessaloniki, and that was the main Allied base for the campaign. And now for boredom, that's one of the most difficult questions to answer, because existing references to boredom in the literature on soldiers' experiences during the First World War 
don't really give much thought to what boredom actually is. But when you look at interdisciplinary studies, I'm thinking particularly psychology, there's a great degree of disagreement. No one agrees whether boredom is an emotion, a mood, a state, a trait, and all of these bring with it different characteristics. But you can sort of grasp a general impression of what it is. So at its most basic level, boredom in a psychological perspective is a principally negative lack of interest in a in one's surroundings. But what is important to note is that it's subjective. Nothing is inherently boring. It's all down to how the individual relates to their surroundings. But for my thesis, I look a bit deeper than that because there's lots of different types of boredom. And that's something that really comes out when you apply the psychological research backwards to this historical case study. So really, you have two main broad types. You've got simple boredom, which is to do with a situation. It can be fleeting or it can be longer lasting. So it could be an emotion or it could be a mood and it can be a lack of interest, but it can also be a lack of meaning in a situation. But the more serious second type of boredom is called existential boredom. And this is a generalised absence of meaning in an individual's life. And this is something that's very long lasting as a mood. So what sources are you drawing on for your study? So principally, because I'm studying a subjective psychological state, I draw on a wide range of personal accounts. Letters, diaries and memoirs are all very important, particularly letters and diaries to try and avoid the distortions of time. But memoirs are also very important because the benefits of hindsight allow men to sort of probably understand exactly what they were going through. And in this regard, one of the advantages of studying the British Salonika force, when we think of source base, is that it was quite small compared to British forces elsewhere, because it peaks at around 180,000 men in 1917. And so I can examine proportionally a much higher number of personal papers than if I was studying, say, the Western Front. And also I'm trying to in terms of representativeness, I also try and draw upon the letters ranging from diaries and memoirs, ranging from generals to privates, to try and show that boredom was this holistic affliction that plagued the entire expeditionary force, rather than just one section of it. But I'm also drawing upon official documents, because it's important for me to show that boredom was not just an unpleasant experience for the individual, but its effects broadened outwards throughout the entire BSF. So I use unit war diaries, disciplinary records, and the wealth of reports that are produced by high-ranking British officers, both at Salonika, or both serving with the Salonika force, rather, or who were sent there by the war officers, observers. And so why were the soldiers bored? In short, almost everything bored them, to some extent. But if we consider first the simple boredom that I talked about earlier, there are three distinct aspects that I really focus on. And first of these is the Macedonian countries, because the subjectivity of boredom meant that some found it greatly interesting. There's varied natural landscapes, a range of wildlife, and they were really interested in the indigenous population, which seemed quite strange and interesting. But others were greatly bored because whether they were stationed at the front or traveling through the rear, men wearied at the vast treeless expanses in front of them and the grass that turned the monotonous brown in the summer sun. And the front, the area behind the front also seemed quite lifeless. The villages had been destroyed and depopulated by the recent Balkan Wars, which had happened only a few years before British soldiers arrived in Macedonia. And aside from visually, the countryside of Macedonia offered almost no opportunities for recreation because these, although the campaign can be called the Salonika campaign, they were nowhere near Salonika for much of it. They were stationed far up country. And what made this sort of boredom worse was the lack of leave and the long periods in the front line, which forced men to confront the same sources of 
boredom from the countryside for an extended period of time. And even those initially interested in the landscape found themselves becoming bored as it lost its novelty. And the second source of boredom is the work required of British soldiers. So when we consider the psychological demands of soldiering, we often forget that men had to do more than fight. And in this regard, boredom arose in the characteristics of men's duties. For some, it was the endless routine and others, it was the fact that they had a job that gave them lots of free time and nothing to fill it. But worst of all were the labouring duties. Digging trenches, building roads and quarrying dominated their time and proved repetitive and mind numbing. And the need to construct trenches around Salonika, known as the birdcage line in early 1916, and to build the infrastructure necessary to conduct offensive operations meant that the duties had to be performed for extended periods of time. And this boredom became intolerable. But beneath the surface, labouring caused boredom through a lack of meaning because certain duties seemed pointless. While constructing the birdcage around Salonika, the need to constantly refill trenches they just dug, which then had to be dug again somewhere else, meant that British soldiers questioned why they were doing it. And the fact that the Germans and the Bulgarians didn't march on Salonika also made them question why they were creating defences. But even worse was that labouring men made men question if they were actually soldiers still, because digging rather than fighting made many feel more like navvies. And that's a phrase that they use continuously throughout memoirs in particular, but also contemporary accounts. And in this regard, men suffered boredom that came from underutilisation. Because if you look at studies of modern peacekeeping forces, they show that soldiers become bored when their assigned duties don't match up to how they expect to construct what is a professionally relevant role. And the third area of simple boredom arose in the character of warfare, because on the one hand, active service exposed men to the same methods of modern industrialised warfare found on the Western Front. Artillery bombardments, gas shell attacks and air raids all provided moments of terror. But the Macedonian Front didn't live up to the yardstick that the Western Front established. And with France and Flanders the point of reference, men found the conduct of warfare unexciting over long periods of time and therefore boring because the considerable distance between the lines and the irregularity of hostile activity meant that men could disconnect from their surroundings. And the fact that little actually seemed to happen also bored men. The strategic disinclination on both sides for an offensive in the region and the operational challenges of campaigning in the Balkans meant that concerted offences were few and far between. And a lack of ammunition on both sides meant that artillery fire in the daily conduct of trench warfare at the tactical level was the exception rather than the norm. So if you read the diaries of British soldiers at Salonika, they're littered with entries reading nothing doing, nothing to report, nothing exciting, usual routine. And worst of all was the endless waiting for something to happen. The improbability of operations meant men felt hopelessly confined to their present boring situation. And then you have to look on a deeper level to look at existential boredom, because throughout the British Salonika force, there was a sense that the Macedonian front was one of futility and hopelessness. And a number of factors influenced this. For one, the Bulgarians appeared a less natural enemy than the Germans. Men respected the sportsmanship of their adversary, who allowed them to retrieve wounded men after failed attacks. And they didn't quite understand how the Bulgarians fitted into the broader war. And nor did the British actually understand the purpose of their expedition. The prospects of offensive operations seemed unlikely, considering the strong Bulgarian positions and mountainous terrain opposite them. 
And of equal importance was what has been termed public boredom. So this is the idea that soldiers to find meaning in their duties have to feel that those at home appreciate them. But this wasn't the case with Salonika. One of the uh, one of the um, criticisms of the home front that emerges repeatedly throughout their accounts is the popular music hall song that went, if you don't want to fight, go to Salonika. And that caused a lot of resentment. Another man wrote of a supposed Battle of Waterloo Station where a party of Scottish soldiers on leave responded to the mockery of those on leave from France by fixing bayonets, killing six and wounding a number of others. That probably didn't happen, but it shows exactly how they thought of their own position in relation to the broader public appreciation. And part of this was also that men felt that those at home didn't fully understand what they were doing. References to Salonika rather than Macedonia carry connotations of men relaxing, enjoying themselves in the city, rather than the harsh reality of life up country. So what was the impact on morale and military effectiveness? Again, this is a very difficult question to answer, and it's a very important one, because like I said earlier, I want to show that boredom wasn't just an unpleasant experience, it was something of real military importance, as this is something that emerges quite strongly from the recent studies that have been done since the 1960s onwards on peacekeeping forces and counterinsurgency operations. And from my research, boredom does emerge as a recognised threat to military effectiveness, one that was recognised both at the time by the military authorities and one that we as historians can look back and identify. So reports issued by high-ranking officers in the BSF and those dispatched to the Regional War Office feature a number of concerns and the effects of boredom on morale, efficiency, and just the general psychological well-being of British soldiers. For instance, one military attaché sent by the War Office contrasted the poor morale of British forces on the Dairan Vardar front with that on the Struma front, and he attributed the superior morale of British troops along the Struma to their less monotonous life because they, were, they could conduct more minor operations. And boredom also noticeably affected the performance of soldiering work. So during the construction of the birdcage, General Sabrian Mahon, the commander-in-chief of the BSF at the time, issued orders in response to the disinterest and inefficiency of men when bored with digging. Though it's really from personal accounts that one can identify a wide range of boredom, of effects of boredom on military effectiveness. So many British soldiers spoke of a condition called Balkan Tap, a sort of mental breakdown common amongst the men of the BSF, which was connected to boredom, depression, isolation, and the futility of life in Macedonia. And one medical officer noted it manifested itself by a lack of memory, a lack of concentration, and just an apathy towards life in general. And in the latter aspect in particular, it echoes the condition of existential boredom. Others spoke of frequent suicide amongst their own units and those of their comrades, such as at Summerhill Camp, which was a British camp not far from Salonika itself, where life was supposedly particularly depressing. And junior officers, with their finger on the pulse of their units, also detected less serious but wide-ranging impacts of boredom. They noted that men shirked when performing monotonous duties, such as road making and digging, and the maintenance of military discipline also seemed to pose an issue in light of the inactivity of the front and the boredom that resulted. And there's also a few anecdotal points that you can draw upon. So some suggested that boredom led men to become less alert. So one in his memoir writes of how the lack of military activity on the front made men susceptible to be captured by Bulgarian patrols and raids on British positions. So 
What did the military authorities do to try and counter this problem and how successful were they? So from the early months of the campaign, the military authorities respond by either organising or encouraging various forms of entertainment. One of the most important of these is the pantomimes and concert parties that proliferate throughout the Macedonian front and throughout the BSF. And the pervasiveness of these concerts and pantomimes is clear from the fact that almost every British account will refer to having attended one at some point. And there's one man responsible for writing and producing many of the plays, a man called Weston Drury, estimated later after the war that he thought that 200,000 men had seen his plays. And aside from these concerts, there's a wide range of sports, football, hockey, tennis, rugby. There are divisional horse shows conducted. And in March 1918, there's a boxing championship held just outside Salonika, where on the third and final day, around 16,000 men attended. In terms of assessing the success of these efforts, that's, again, a very difficult question to answer. It raises quite a philosophical one of whether boredom itself is actually solvable, whether it's just an unavoidable part of life. But really, there are two dimensions to this, I think. Firstly, and at a really basic level, British soldiers remain very bored by everything. So in this sense, British, the military authorities were not entirely successful. The effects of concerts, for instance, could be quite limited. They were, there were large periods between concerts, and sometimes the concerts themselves were considered bored and boring. I'll, I'll redo that bit. So answering the question of success of these measures is a very difficult one. It raises a philosophical question of whether boredom is a solvable condition or whether it is an unavoidable part of life. Though really there are two dimensions to considering the successfulness of the military authorities. Firstly, and at a really basic level, British soldiers remained very, very bored. So they, the military authorities clearly were not 100% successful. The concerts, for instance, were quite regular. There were long periods between them and the concerts themselves could be considered boring. And then if one considers the distinction between boredom arising from a lack of interest and boredom arising from a lack of meaning, the failure of the military authorities becomes clear because there is no concerted effort to construct a sense of purpose amongst the men of the BSF. The educational efforts that emerge on the Western Front during the latter stages of the war aimed at shaping men's attitudes arrive in Macedonia only after the armistice with Bulgaria. And instead, it was really left up to regimental officers to take the initiative as and when required. Anecdotal evidence suggests that men who didn't quite understand the role of Bulgaria in the broader war would consult their platoon officers in search of an explanation. And when it came to boredom in certain situations, officers could try and instill a sense of purpose in their men through other explanations. One responded to his men becoming bored by the apparently unsoldier-like nature of road-making by alluding to the similar duties performed by Roman soldiers in Britain. Others stressed the importance of their work digging trenches in light of the supposedly imminent German and Bulgarian attack on Salonika. And other officers attempted to enlighten their men on the, on the history and the geography of the Balkans as well. On the other hand, I would suggest that the military authorities were successful overall in combating boredom. Some recent research on boredom in contemporary military contexts has suggested that it acts as a threshold phenomenon. In this sense, boredom has to reach a certain level before its effects become incredibly serious. But as I explained earlier, the effects of boredom amongst the men of the BSF were certainly varied and noticeable, yet remained short of outright destructive. For instance, there was no large scale indiscipline, which I think is quite interesting given that boredom and purposelessness 
have been assessed as contributory factors to the Kataro mutiny amongst Austro-Hungarian sailors in February 1918. Another potential indicator is the fact that the mentions of suicides are confined to anecdotes amongst personal accounts. I haven't found any references to an epidemic of suicides in official documents either. I think that's really interesting because this is completely new to me because I looked at this sort of an issue uh, when in small group cohesion. And something I'm surprised at is why are soldiers bored when they come from a background of probably urban working class men in monotonous industrial jobs? I find that quite interesting factor that their civilian lives would be probably as boring in many ways as their military lives. Yes, yes, that's something that I found incredibly interesting as well. Because yes, the accepted view is that British soldiers in the ranks came from very monotonous, dull, industrial working class lives, and therefore boredom was an accepted part of daily life. And yet that doesn't seem to stack up with the pervasiveness of boredom throughout the BSF. I can't offer a a clear explanation for why that is. Yet I have found it quite interesting that some officers suggested that boredom arose from soldiering duties because the soldiering duties were very dull and uninteresting when the men themselves came from artisanal backgrounds with interesting work and work that required a degree of skill and complexity. And did you notice any major difference between the front line and rear areas or is it a general sort of phenomenon you find across units? So yes, there is a distinction between the different areas of the, the British Lanka Force. In terms of existential boredom, it's something that spreads throughout the entire BSF, whether it's an infantryman at the front or a man working the field ambulance in the rear. But when it comes to simple forms of boredom arising from a deficit of meaning, then you can detect a distinction. I found that infantrymen are far more likely to become bored by soldiering duties because of the fact that their duties of digging trenches, building roads, are so far at odds with how they conceptualise themselves as a combatant who is there to fight principally. Whereas those who served with the Army Service Corps or the Royal Army Medical Corps, they could become bored by their duties, but they didn't suffer from a lack of meaning in their daily lives because they were performing the duties they expected to do so. And that's quite interesting because, again, contemporary work on peacekeeping forces has found a similar trend in that medical workers on peacekeeping operations, if they're performing medical work, they find a source of meaning in their lives and therefore they don't become bored. Whereas infantrymen performing those sort of peacekeeping duties but do become bored because they're not fighting. Did you notice boredom on any other fronts in, in the First World War? Or not boredom? to the same extent. No. Yeah. Daily drudgery, fine. yes. Existential boredom, not so much. That seems to be a really distinct aspect of the Macedonian front. Jake, thank you very much for your time.